Hello, everyone. My name is Joshua Gilliland. I'm one of the founding attorneys of The Legal Geeks. With me today for a special interview is uh, AL <clears throat> Administrative Law Judge uh, Scott Marvella, and he's with the Federal Aviation Administration. And Your Honor, how are you today? Oh, it's nice to be here. Thanks for having the show. And um, please call me Scott. Oh, that's that's going to take some work, but <laughs> all of the years of decorum and and being taught to say Your Honor, it's it's. I look forward to calling you Scott. So, uh, thank you so much for reaching out. You've uh, you have a really neat career. You're an adjunct professor at American University Washington College of Law. You got your JD from Georgetown University Law School. And you are a member of the American Law Institute. Uh, you have been published in Tulane Journal of International and Comparative Law. Uh, and you've also had material with the Ohio State Journal of Dispute Resolution and the University of Baltimore Law Review. And you also participated in the very neat book about Star Wars and conflict resolution. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Well, first of all, I've got to can't say enough about the editors of that book, um, Noam Ebner and Jen Reynolds, who are law professors. Um, Noam is over at uh, Creighton University, and, and Jen is with uh, University of Oregon Law School. And incredible experience. I'm so happy that they let me come in and play in their sandbox. Yeah, and you know, there's a lot to be said about ADR, which is something that uh, doesn't get a lot of focus in pop culture lawyers know about it because it's you know it's part of People lawsuits you know in, yeah throw in a chapter yeah so what chapter did you write so i wrote um one on distributive negotiation and the jedi mind trick which uh -huh. is the title these are not the droids you're looking for oh fantastic now let's let's uh we're of uh the same generational cohort and I, we have our own Star Wars stories. What is your Star Wars story? Well, actually, it's, it's fun. Uh, it's funny you say that because I spent last night watching like the very first episodes of The Legal Geeks, where you and Jessica were telling your stories, like uh, from you know fandom of Star Wars, science fiction, fantasy, and, and I just loved hearing it. And and we are, I think, about three years apart based on when you you saw The Empire Strikes Back. So, so my story is probably very similar. Well, it's actually very similar to yours. Um, in 1977, as a five-year-old, you know, I was, uh, you know, couldn't see a, a non-G-rated movie. It's Pete's Dragon, Disney, uh, you know, Sesame Street. And then suddenly my life changed. Because once I saw Star Wars, um, that was it. Not Nothing else. Everything was gone. It was... You know, Star Wars, the action figures, and what was really great is not only did it lead into science fiction, because I, I, my parents took me to all the spin-off, like Star Crash, Buck Rogers, Moonraker, the, the Ralph Bakshi, Lord of the Rings during that time, but also lifelong love of cinema. So it also is the segue to watching, um, you know, Akira Kurosawa's The Hidden Fortress, you know, some French New Wave, Federico Fellini, it just really i mean just lucas was a great filmmaker in his in his day yeah, yeah there's a lot to unpack there we, i i believe we're of a very lucky generation so there 
like my aunt was the right age in 1966 when Batman, Star Trek, uh, the monkeys all premiered at the same time. Like she was in that generational cohort, which was a very magical time for us. For those of us who came to term in the late seventies, like being little kids, we had a lot of great media come out after kind of a wilderness period. And it's like, I have fond memories of the 1979 Muppet movie. It makes me think of my father uh, who took me to see it. Yeah, I'll say something about the 1970 Muppet movie. I like Kermit the Frog's cover uh, of the Carpenter song, uh, uh, the um, the Rainbow Connection, better than the original. Yeah, I think most of society is on board with that, just because it's such, like hearing it now, it's such an emotional gut punch, uh, because it makes people remember this this bygone era, usually of childhood, of when they when they saw that film. And uh, so you actually remember seeing the original Star Wars in the theater or drive-in or my family went to the drive-in because of little kids. Did, did you guys do something similar? No, it was in the movie theater, but I I do remember like, um, so they had the same experience you did with Empire Strikes Back, the line around the parking lot, but Star Wars is even more crazy because you could line up and not get tickets. So my, my my dad had to try a couple of tries wow. to get tickets for Star Wars. I, but both my parents have now passed. So I, I, I know we saw it. And since it was in the theater for a year, I, I remember seeing it. But it's kind of foggy because of, you know, I was three turning into four. Uh, I do remember seeing the holiday special and I've repressed memories about that. Uh, but uh, Empire's a nice, clear memory. Oh, I, I remember. I have clear memories of the holiday special, but I, I'm a dissenter because I focus on Boba Fett. That was the, the animated sequence that first introduced Boba Fett, and it was, and he came out of the lava on the uh, the dinosaur, and you had to send away all your little box tops for the action figure. There, the, the Boba Fett and the faithful Wookiee are probably the strongest parts of the holiday special. Uh, but again, I just I remember Lumpy with his broken toys after they got raided. You know, the things that that stay with you. Uh, now, I, I wish Lucasfilm would not disavow that. That is a great bonus feature on a super DVD release one day. You know, they, they, were... you're, I, I think they've kind of embraced it because you can at least get, you know, like Chewbacca in the robe with the orb for life day. So like there's there's this weird. Like they have a full on. They no longer disavow it, but they haven't embraced it either. But they there's some merchandising, and they have at least the faithful Wookiee on Disney Plus. So like there's that. Uh, they own part of it at least. Well, my 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 actually dream is one day they will come to their senses and release a super DVD release of <laughs> Star Wars because we've had pieces of it. Um, the original theatrical releases, which are scanned off the laser discs, showed up as an extra bonus and in a re-release of Star Wars um, on DVD. But you have screen tests that are on YouTube, um, the full cantina scene uncut, deleted scenes, like the, in- the first introduction of Luke. It would, the, the holiday special, would be nice if they just took all of this stuff and from the archives, remastered it, put the best quality out there and just did just like a beautiful set. Yeah, they, they do such a great job of creating an immersive world with a backstory that 
uh, that speaks volumes because that's that's life and that's just kind of what makes the world the world now with that i'm oh, oh, sorry talk about lucas's um backstory mm-hmm. as a storyteller what always impresses me now going back and watching star wars is how masterfully he used both special effects and your imagination to tell his story because we got the death star we got um you know, the Millennium Falcon and the Space Bells, but we also got Obi-Wan Kenobi just telling a story about the Clone Wars and his apprentice and this, you know, the Han Solo making references to the ship that ran, that made the Kessel run in less than 12 parsecs. Just, they could really trigger a child's imagination as to what the rest of this universe looked like. And it's brilliant because of that. And, you know, when thinking back to the late 70s, what was your favorite Star Wars toy? Oh, I, I right off the bat, I'm saying Greedo, the green Greedo from the second generation of action figures, but but pretty much any of the bounty hunters. Yeah. But Greedo in particular was one I remember very fixated on getting. And... I, I was fond of Bosk, and uh, can't explain why. I just thought thought he was cool. How about what's your favorite Star Wars movie? That is a great question because I have favorite and best. Okay. So my favorite always has to be the original Star Wars movie because it started it all and it's such strong sentimental value to me. But The Empire Strikes Back, I think, is definitely the best Star Wars movie. And I think the great Irvin Kirshner directing that who was a, was a really out-of-the-box choice, having directed like you know dramas like Loving a few years earlier, not a science fiction guy. To, to get him, he did just the masterful job. And as, as I've read before, they, they say he got uh, Mark Hamill to act plausibly with a puppet. Yeah, that's not easy. I mean, when you know, it's, it's hard to interact with the tennis ball on a string, you know, phenomenon with the green screen days. But it's like it's going to be you and a puppet and there and there will be snakes like that's. That's a lot. Uh, I mean, Hamill's performance is exceptional. Uh, and I mean, like that, that film does pull at my heartstrings. I, I do agree that, uh, it's, if, if it's not the best, it's definitely the strongest. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Rogue One. So oh, I, I, it's funny. I don't, in my mind, I don't think of the canon, but yes, Rogue One was very strong start to finish well-crafted film and story. Yes, there's, there's something for everyone. And it, it's always fun to see what people, uh, lean to, to now. Uh, let's get into the book and alternative dispute resolution, uh, affectionately known as ADR. You know, out here in California, if you have, you know, a, a civil case, every litigant gets the ADR packet, and you know, we're with the different options for ADR. And can you help people understand who aren't attorneys what ADR is? So ADR stands for Alternative Dispute Resolution. And, and since we're like talking about the 70s, it's kind of really, uh, really also ties back into that era because it was really kind of late 60s, early 70s that you really kind of got the modern, what we think of as ADR and alternative because alternative to litigation. But now, as like you mentioned with California, yeah, and it's true of a lot of other states, it's true administrative law. Uh, my office is very active uh, in medi- mediating cases before us, and even mediating cases for like even sister forums. 
and the uh, <clears throat> and the book takes on various topics in ADR, but from a Star Wars perspective. And, and I think important for like uh, Star Wars fans is it really gets into a lot of discussion of more the Star Wars lens at times. I mean, there's some chapters that talk a lot about, you know, the the background in the ADR and the theories, but a lot of it ends up coming together as the story of Anakin and his, in how he approaches conflict resolution. I'm going to go with Anakin does not handle conflict resolution well, but that's uh, what, what's your take on Anakin and conflict resolution? Well, apparently he's a competitive, competitive negotiator. He has to win at everything. So he's always, every situation is a competition to win. Okay. What are the other forms of negotiation that can exist? Well, one of the things that, um, I did focus on my chapter, and I think this is kind of a really good area to look at with negotiating. And, and I think also off some practical tips, because I see it all the time in my and as a mediator. So I focused on the Jedi mind trick and distributive negotiation. So distributive negotiation is what we think of as hardball tactics. That's the person who comes in, they, they pound the table, they're going to the litigation, they're you know, they're not budging. They want the full amount. They'll go down the dollar. They're the, the difficult ones, the ones that give you a headache trying to negotiate with them. You know, they don't appear to be listening to you. They don't do it. So the key behind that is it's a tactic that is looking to manipulate the other side to get what they want. Similar, the Jedi mind trick, as we see in the uh, pretty much really in the prequels and the first movie, especially, it is being used as a manipulation device. The, the Gungans response to Jedi showing up, it's not that we're getting uh, sort of neutral mediators to come facilitate, you know, which which part of it is a legitimate gripe that their trade routes are being taxed and they're losing money and they're, you know, they think they're being treated unfairly by the Republic. Um, it's to come in there and as uh, Newt Gunray says, they're here to force a settlement. And yeah, and even then we see Qui-Gon Jinn's response to Wado is uh, try to, uh, you will sell me the parts I want for worthless Republic credits, basically trying to rip him off for his, um, his, his uh, rocket part, his, you know, engine parts through manipulation. So you kind of see that as a, a sort of darker side of the Jedi mind trick. Yeah. It's one thing to, to use the mind trick to get away from stormtroopers trying to do a, a very questionable police stop. Uh, it's a, because again, they're the fascist bad guys. It's another thing for trying to buy a part and you're trying to hoodwink someone uh, for, for uh, mo money that they don't value. That doesn't have a, an exchange rate, something that they could use uh, like copper wire instead of dollars type, type of thing. Uh, so Fascinating. Uh, you know, in, in looking at, at this concept, because it's not always just fighting, you know, there's also uh, escalation and de-escalation. In Star Wars and any of the material, what char which character is the best at de-escalation? Uh, easily to me, that's Obi-Wan Kenobi. 
because we see in really the original Star Wars and and my it's funny as a kid uh Sir Alec Guinness wasn't always the coolest character in that first Star Wars movie as an adult he's to me he's the coolest character in the Star Wars movie because he is truly the master of you know both himself and his surroundings so twice he de-escalates really big situations. The first with the, like you mentioned, the stormtroopers, they pull him up for a stop and a stop for the droids. And he uses the mind trick to kind of get them out of a situation that could get ugly very quickly. Um, second, a really, a, a real world negotiation technique, no you know Jedi mind tricks. When they go to negotiate with Han Solo for the passage to Alderaan. Luke's response to Hanso's initial offer uh, is to get angry, to say we can buy our own ship for that much. We don't need to take this, get up and almost walk away. And it's Obi-Wan Kenobi who's cool and smooth and just puts a hand on him and makes him sit down and then continues negotiation. I would add with the cantina scene uh, where Luke gets uh, threatened and uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi offers to buy, uh, buy a drink to the two people that ultimately get killed. <laughs> but he tries to de-escalate that with, here, let me buy you a drink. They they pull a blaster and, you know, Walrus Man loses his arm. But uh, I, again, I, I do think it, I think you're right with the de-escalation uh, characters of uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. And I always liked Obi-Wan Kenobi. He's He's uh, my favorite character uh on that note who's the best negotiator i would say the best negotiator is padme and um, we can we can tie this into how the negotiator to the Nabu and the gungans in the first movie and episode one the phantom menace so the gungans are a are the you know the indigenous um you know people of Nabu. And they have a, we learn early on, they have a real problem with the um, the humanoid Nabu, who actually the planets have been named after them. They've been called the Nabu. But there's a lot of bitterness between the Gungans and them. We, we don't get that in the film itself, what that is. Although um, I read once that in early you know, drafts of Phantom Menace, the, the Queen Amidala would have been reluctant to to step on a ship with a Gungan, with Jar Jar Binks. We've kind of shown some restraint, you know, to sort of emphasize their divisions. And we learned uh, Qui-Gon Jinn tries to negotiate with them over the invasion and Obi-Wan Kenobi as well. And best they can do is get passage to the city. Later, even when the planet has been invaded, they're in their um, sacred place. Everything is a wreck. They still don't want to budge with the um, the Nabu, and only when uh, Padme Amidala, truly reading the room, truly understanding the dynamics, she does something which um, sometimes really helps in negotiation. This type where it's so personal, she makes an apology on behalf of the Nabu. It is she she gets on her knees, encourages everyone else to get on their knees to respect the Gungan leader because he is royalty. Uh, he is the boss, you know, boss and ass, and gives them the apology that we, you know, we uh, always respected your people and we should preserve together. And when she gives that sort of apology, it changes the tenor. Boss and ass, suddenly uh, it builds trust. 
He suddenly feels they've been respected. He suddenly feels that whatever historical um, division of their people is somehow healed and the negotiations completely change and they end up forming an alliance where the Gungans really take on the brunt of the battle. Very thoughtful. There's a lot there uh, to think about. Now, I'm trying to imagine this in the ADR context of like being in a mediation or a, you know, an, well, again, arbitration versus mediation. I Most of my experience has been in mediation uh, with the bouncing back and forth between the two parties. Uh, I haven't done an arbitration um, just because of that just hasn't happened. What kind of lessons do we have from Star Wars that you think could apply to parties in a mediation that would be helpful? I think the Jedi mind trick and the distributive negotiation skills are totally like the hardball. Um, it, like I said, writing that chapter sort of changed my view a little bit of Star Wars because mm -hmm. I'm like, well, you know, these Jedi aren't as great a guys in that in those early episodes as uh, I thought they were. But also it changed how I view um, as a mediator of parties who deal with, you know, do those hardball tactics because like the Jedi mind trick that only works on the feeble minded hardball tactics, again, also can only work on the feeble minded. And to me, they are the weakest and poorest form of negotiation because all the person has to do is call them on it. So like Luke trying to use the Jedi mind trick on Jabba and he's not buying it. He just, you know, shoves his, uh, his, you know, his top eight aside saying, you weak-minded fool, he's using the mind trick on you. He says, doesn't work on me, kid. And Luke is suddenly left with nothing but a blaster. What happens in real knife negotiation is if, if your opponent is using hardball tactics, um, they will weaken themselves consistently every time you call them on it. So the most common one is, I've ever, I see is, um, you know, I'm going to litigate this I'm taking it to court. I don't care. I'm rejecting all of your offers, no matter how good, you know, you know, Jennifer, I'm not listening to you and I'm leaving the room because that person in that tactic is really expecting you, you to cave in and say, oh no, please don't go. I'll, I'll give you a concession. Whereas if you say, fine, we'll proceed, they will inevitably, uh, they will inevitably be calling the mediator. Maybe they'll be calling the other party, making some. They will inevitably try and get back to that table. And the moment they have to get themselves back to the table, the the price goes down. The value of what they want starts going down. Let's take a look at the Mandalorian because in in the first episode, there's a negotiation that takes place between. The Mandalorian and IG-11. I haven't seen The Mandalorian. I'm, I'm way behind on that one. No, I'm way behind on that particular show. Then, then I oh, am glad, <laughs> I'm glad we didn't, I didn't get any further other than it's yeah. good. It's good. It, I read, no, I remember the negotiation because I've seen the first episode. Yeah, I remember the negotiation, but I don't remember it well. Okay, then, then we'll skip that. Because uh, <laughs> there's lots of good contract negotiation issues that, that frequently come up in Star Wars. So with the first, with the New Hope, we had booking a passage. Uh, trying to think of other examples on the fly, thinking to Return of the Jedi, uh, negotiating with the Ewoks, 
which is coming from a place of putting C-3PO in as a false deity. Uh, thoughts on that <laughs> with uh, making sure you don't get eaten. <laughs> yeah, I, I never saw that much in negotiation as much as getting their attention. It worked. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, maybe that's the negotiation issue. Uh, they're not listening, not paying any attention, and you're trying to get them to, you know, listen to our story, listen to, you know, what we have to say, and, you know, an extreme of floating C-3PO. It, it beats being on a rotisserie. So I would, you know, extreme measures uh, call for, for lots of action. So uh, have you watched Kenobi or any of the yes, other? Yes, Kenobi. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there's did you like Kenobi? What did, did you like the Kenobi show? I did a lot. Um, there were, uh, I enjoyed Kenobi and young Leia together. Uh, I, I appreciated a character study of you've lost everything. How do you not lose hope? How do you not give in to despair? And that's a interesting question to basically be on the run like i used to live in a palace and now i'm in a cave and i'm still trying to keep my moral center uh when they actually got off planet and you know got to going on the different adventures uh it really worked for me and i enjoyed the final fight uh a lot so uh, but it raises an interesting question for me Luke knew had an adventure with Kenobi for like 24 hours at best, you know, 12 maybe. And Leia basically spent a week with Kenobi when she was a kid. Did she ever bring that up? Like, how do you, how do you have that discussion that I had this great big adventure with Obi-Wan Kenobi, um, which is why I'm going to name my child Ben, uh, compared to <laughs> compared to Luke's uh, uh, adventure, so but what were your thoughts on the show? Well, actually, I think it goes to what I find is a real challenge when uh, telling films in the Star Wars universe or any expanded universe. Star Trek has the same problems. I think it's a real challenge whenever you you pick up on something that's going to be a direct prequel, something else. So. Um, like Rogue One did a beautiful job of setting up something that was different, but dovetailing it well into Star Wars. So my, mind you, I think they had a lot more freedom with what that early rebellion was going to look like other than, you know, the aesthetics. Uh, Mandalorian, of course, is a separate adventure in the Star Wars universe. The more freedom you give, I think it's easier to sort of explore different things. Uh, I, I found, a, I found Obi-Wan Kenobi a little challenging at times that, they inevitably could kind of contradict themselves a bit or have to go in and fill something new, like uh, get a, um, you know, I guess a, a Hayden Christensen, who's probably, you know, my age or older, suddenly playing a you know, 16 year old apprentice, trying to have to do that to get a, a bit of a back, more of a backstory. Some of the challenges there. Yeah. The, the question of de-aging and how to do that um, always, you know, it's like, how do you do that? Um I mean, they did a good job of making McGregor look younger with, you know, like dots on, on the face. Uh, Christensen had no CGI done. I don't know if they just did it with makeup. To it looked make like makeup, yeah. Yeah, which is, I mean, he's he's aged well for a guy in his 40s. So 
there's hope for everyone. Uh, but uh, yeah, there's there's a lot there. Uh, so if anyone wanted to read the book, where can they do so? Um, it's available on uh, Amazon. And, and it's uh, DRI Press okay. out of uh, Mitchell Hamline College of Law published it. And you can just uh, Star Wars and Conflict Resolution. It will come up. Now, I haven't ordered it yet, but I will. And I look forward to uh, reading it. Now, are you've done some cons on the East Coast. Yeah. Do you have any upcoming one uh, shows for 23? Uh, no, no, I haven't. I haven't pitched anything uh, lately. Uh, it's still early. I mean, like summertime shows aren't accepting anything yet. So uh hope to see you on the con circuit and yes, do you have some coming up we yes we do so we will be at WonderCon for two panels uh there are rules on we can't say the times or days that we're going to be but i will say the topics one will be on wednesday and the other will be on civil rights and star wars and looking forward to that and we have a great lineup of lawyers and judges who can share their views uh on on some very very specific issues uh well, the wednesday one sounds very interesting because I, I saw that show and i liked it yes and uh we have a very good lineup of folks covering it and so there are a lot of heavy hitters uh can't wait and the um star wars panel is going to focus on andor and kenobi for civil rights and the time of empire and uh so we'll be a good good time to to break that down especially all the issues in andor uh which i think is the best tv show that they've done i have you had a chance to it, it's on my watch list but i've heard good things about it as well it, it's a slow burn uh but it's it, it proves that you can have people write star wars that just take it and go and uh there's some very deep cuts to other material and legends and other movies uh but they had a great freedom in what they wrote and that was uh it, i think it was brilliant uh just some of the best written best directed star wars that exists and it really hit some terrifying and complex issues so i i strongly recommend it now are you on social media at all for people to no no i'm not on social media yeah not not many judges are so <laughs> thought i would check so with that, uh, Scott, uh, you know, thank you for your time. Is there anything else for the good okay. of the order? No, no, thank you for having me on. It's, 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 uh, it's very great to be here on Legal Geeks, big fan. So thank you. My pleasure. And everyone, wherever you are, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay geeky.